0: This is episode three of Chalk Talk Insurance. Welcome to episode three, guys. We made it. We're here again. Number three. (laughs) Number three. This is CJ Griffin. Got Mike Stein to my right, Jack Griffin to my left. And today we're gonna talk about the black hole of underwriting. I think it's a great title to this episode. Absolutely. Um, What do you guys wanna dive into first about underwriting? Your experience or Sure. I
1: I think uh, one of the things you need to be aware of is that um, as you work with underwriters, it's a different experience depending on where you are in your career. I don't know if it would be any different at any other company, but I definitely think as agents become uh, more seasoned that their relationship with underwriting changes. I think it can start off very contentious maybe because... They don't know you, and you don't know them, mm-hmm. and uh, neither side knows what to expect. But after time and and uh, involvement and working with them, it can change, and it can be positive experience. And there's still going to be times you don't disagree or you don't agree on things. When you butt heads, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know when when difference when, when you know you're right and they're <laughs> wrong, or you know they think they're right and they think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's what uh, management's for. Yeah,
0: exactly. So.
2: Jack, thoughts? Well, I think that uh, no different than relationships with your clientele, you have to develop relationships with your underwriters, mm-hmm. and they take time. And it also depends on then their time and experience, mm-hmm. because when a young underwriter is going to be typically in our company, will be given a set of parameters, and they are they are not to get outside those parameters in the beginning. And They have to learn over time how they can do that, and that's why that's what's that's what's called underwriting then. Yep. And the, the more seasons they are, the, more, the, the larger the parameters that they have, and they get to the use of their judgment uh, more. Um, no different than we know who we can trust inside; they know who they can trust outside. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, and a lot of times when things are contentious, it's because someone hasn't given the right information.
1: True. Sure. Yeah, you, you definitely can't. Uh Misrepresent or get those uh, stigmas about the business that you're writing because they have long memories too. They, well, and uh, so do you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it it absolutely relies upon honesty and presenting the actual facts, and then deciphering what can and can't be done. And I think uh, that often there's lots of solutions to things if you have both sides willing to you know work through things.
0: But and you think every underwriter is different too and mm-hmm. have a different Absolutely, style. yeah. And every client's to, different, and every underwriter's going to gonna be different. Differently as well.
2: Well, and, and you go into the life insurance side, you'll see that, you'll, you'll be surprised what you'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, where one underwriter will say, well, we think this is standard rate, and another underwriter will say, no, I think it's stable four. And, and, yeah. and it's just because the, the, what they see and how they interpret it is going to be a little different. And the more seasoning the underwriter has, the more clear it becomes.
0: Could you give, like, an example? Especially if we're talking about life insurance, maybe an example of a case like
2: that. I had a, I, I had a case where a, a guy had, um, oh, sleep apnea, very slight, but he didn't. Use, he, t- he started using equipment, quit using it, and the underwriter uh, that looked at it turned it down. So I I, I this was not about the underwriter because it, she was young. It, it was it, in my opinion was about inexperience. And so I called uh, someone that had 35 years experience and said, would you review this file? And she came back and said, it's not standard, but it's Table 2. And they, all they did is they went through with the young underwriter and explained why. And, and, she, and the nice thing about the seasoned underwriter is says, we don't always agree, which makes, it faci- makes underwriting fascinating, especially in the life sure. insurance arena, is that uh, what they, you know, they all try to come to a conclusion and learn from each other. So the young underwriter gets the benefit of someone with 35 years experience. So he can show you different th- things that where this is why it's a table two versus a, a decline.
1: I've always thought that we've benefited us in the the central region because we're able to actually not just speak over the phone, but actually go in and, and see our <laughs> underwriters right. and and have good conversations. Mm-hmm. And I know that's that's helped me develop my relationships with underwriters and in uh, management in the home office, and that that's helped my career a lot, is because I have those relationships. I don't know how I would um, how it would be different if I was in the north or down in the southeast, and I couldn't, you know, pop in the car and be there in 20 minutes and, and work through some of that stuff. So I, I've always really appreciated that
2: we've been 20 minutes away that you can do those things, and I think they do too. The one thing that when you talked about young agents. What's key for young agents is to talk to other agents with more experience, to help them walk them through situations. Uh, I did one, uh, uh, um, was it this morning? Yesterday morning. Yesterday? Yeah, I did one just yesterday, and we're walking through not only uh, a property casualty case, but a a life insurance case as well. And I think it's really important. Uh, I know that you, you and I talk, Mike. Yeah. And CJ, you and I talk, and, and, and we learn from each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because I have 39 years' experience doesn't mean I know everything. Sure. And the issue is learning from each other. You get more out of it typically than you get out of a book. or You get in, in a uh, session with the home officers or even a CIC session. Mm-hmm. You, I can learn more for you sitting in the, uh, in the car for 45 minutes. What
0: about the topic of, because what's new to Farm Bureau is wildlife. right life. So up to two hundred fifty thousand, you get. Um, sometimes you get an automatic um, decision yeah. and instead I, of an underwriting uh, person. I wanted your thoughts on how that is because I mean you are going through a different you are going through a system and not a
1: person. And I I know we have intentions of of looking at five hundred thousand right. too, mm-hmm. um, as as we should because. Two hundred and fifty thousand in most cases is, is not a lot, but I, life yeah oh, right. I, but we but yeah. have to start someplace, right yeah. so you know I think it's a step in the right direction. I think uh, our company is definitely trying to fall more in line with our competition these are These are things that you know lots of companies um, I, when I came in in two, um, Vince, who was in my class, was a farmer 's agent. Mm-hmm. And they were using data analysis and metrics and those things at that time, and that was farmers and wow. He would say you know uh we we can almost do a guarantee issue on almost up to a million dollars really? and here we are twenty twenty years <laughs> later, and we're just finally you know looking at that so um it it it, it will change that a little bit in the fact that
0: was that a term product it farm? was all yeah that was term
1: that was those those were term but okay. uh yeah, that that will change our industry a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but none of that, even those differences, still don't cause people to buy life insurance on their own. Yeah. You still need uh, agents sitting down with people, educating them, because if they did, if they were doing it, we wouldn't be here having a discussion about it. Yeah. They would, they would, the opportunity would be gone. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And what about you, as the thirty-eight year vet? Thirty-nine year 39, Thirty-nine year. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah.
2: I don't use it. And the reason I don't use it is because there's components to it that I like and there's components to it I don't like. You are more open to a contestable claim. Because you're the one that asked the question? it's more. They're yeah. more open to a contestable claim because, you know, it, it comes out, boom, like that. If the question's, you know, the one thing about a turbo app is that it's recorded. Sure. It is, the, the questions are, are being asked. They get to answer the same question three different ways. So if someone dies within two years, they've got a good idea just by the recording if we're gonna pay that claim or not. It's true. Where, and I get blood work and I get urine and I'm can and, and I I'm, and I'm not getting that. So do I know that if that person is, is smoking marijuana, if that person is, doing, is using cocaine, uh, is this is person's uh, uh, cholesterol level is too high? Uh, is your HDLL level way too high? And we're missing all that. Is there and, too much protein in the urine? I mean, you're, you're missing there's a reason, everything. There's a reason I'm okay with it going a little slower. Yeah. Younger agents want to go faster, their industry's getting faster. But old dudes want to make sure that, they're, uh, that the underwriting is done properly. That's well, just my opinion.
1: No, and I, and I think it definitely uh, shifts the, you know, back to agents and, you know, when the agent is the one asking the question, did you fully ask the question? Did you ask every question? You know, did they fully understand what they were saying? I mean, those are the things that you're going to get questioned on if there is a contestable claim because you're the one required to ask the question. If uh, you go back to... Not 20, a third party. No.
2: If you go back... I have all my applications even before Turbo Apps. Yeah, So there, that we used to answer, uh, ask all the questions. And i I like would the have phone interview questions or the phone well they are phone interview questions now, but if yep. you use a traditional app yep. you ask them all you yep. ask them all, right. and the nice thing is i i've kept all those applications, so especially in the first two years, if you have a contestable claim, you can go back and make sure that you ask the right questions and my just fe- feeling is is that there's a, there's a standard of underwriting that guys like me like, and it slows things down a little bit, but you never have to worry about anything afterwards because I've had five contestable claims in my career, and we paid all five. One. We paid it two right. years ago. Yeah, but I saw a million dollar claim go unpaid. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just want to make sure that the underwriting is done properly.
0: How does a contestable claim work?
2: Okay, let's just say uh, someone dies in the first two years. Mm-hmm. The company's going to tell us it's contestable, and what they'll do, if uh, they'll go check all the medical records to make sure that the information that was given was correct at the time. If it is, they pay. If there's a concern, they'll keep digging. Uh, there was one on the east side of the state where the gentleman asked, was asked the same question three times, and he said no, and he should have said yes, and we wouldn't have issued a policy. He died in 20 months. The, uh, the, the company did his research, said no. The attorney came in, listened to the telephone interview, and left. It was all done.
1: You You know, they, uh, yes, I've had one, um, great friend, client, um, insured him for better part of 10 years. Um, it was just, I believe about a year ago, a year ago this fall. And, uh, it wasn't a large death benefit, but it was important because it took care of the funeral and it helped clean up the estate a little bit. And, uh, I had never had one And, and in the 18 years and that was my first one, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, you and I chatted a little bit about it, Jack, uh, but we uh, went through the process um, and the claim was paid. It took a little bit longer than I think a normal death benefit claim would be.
2: Uh, typically four to six weeks.
1: Yeah, okay. the, um, but, but it moved very smoothly. Uh, the the uh, beneficiaries were, were pleased. They, they, of course, had questions, you know, what's taking this time? I said, uh, you know, the, uh, the insured passed away within the 24 months. It's our, our right to contest um, and review to make sure that, you know, everything was represented the right way, and we did that. Um, we paid the claim, they were happy, and uh, uh, we did exactly what we said we were gonna do. Awesome.
0: So since we switched over to life insurance from underwriting,
2: it's life underwriting. Yeah. yeah. Do you
0: want to stick with life insurance or do you want to move over back into underwriting for... I thought we'd shift to commercial. Okay. Maybe take us. Um, I thought I'd share my process and how I work commercial, being the youngest agent. With underwriters? With underwriters. Sure. First. So before I do anything with the client, obviously get the deck pages, the normal things. But when I'm quoting during the process, I'm instantly getting my underwriter involved. Especially maybe uh, for me, because I don't know class codes, certain things like on a bat, those small things. Mm-hmm. I always have one specific underwriter check that for me to make sure it's correct before I do anything. Before I talk about credit or anything along those lines, too. Um, if I feel it's necessary, maybe do an inspection before. Like we just we did one for a brewery that I just we did yesterday. Sure. He went in two weeks ago, um, so I try to get them involved right away. If I if I don't exactly know um, the company, everything ins- insurance-wise. I try to get them involved right away. Too. Are you similar? Or are you different? How? Because then both um, of you have been. Doing no, this a long my long my longer. my process
1: is I usually do my field inspection without my underwriter right. before I go any further. Uh, I want to know: Is it a quality piece of business? Mm-hmm. Is it something I want to take uh, my underwriters out to? Yeah. Uh, I've always had a very uh, profitable book of business, and I want to make sure that I'm adding pieces that I think Continue. are going to be profitable. Yep. Um, that has always been one of my one of my goals. That's something that I'm proud of. Um, I know it doesn't always end up that way. You can always have the good intentions, but mm-hmm. we do. We are in the business paying claims, and they they do show up. So mm-hmm. uh, I start with my field underwriting first, whenever possible, right. and then. I will kind of start working backwards off of that because I'm not always concerned what's on the other deck pages. Um, I do my, all my own building valuations. Right. I go out and do those. A lot of times, I'll get uh, my underwriters involved to review them mm-hmm. um, to match up the photos and things that I've done, and kind of start working backwards that way. Um, then we will start taking a look at uh, other companies' policies if we yeah. miss some things and. Uh, then reaching out. Um, one of the things we've kind of started doing is uh, sending emails to underwriters and trying to give as much information up front, kind of letting them know what our supporting business is going to be. You know what uh, what the losses look like from what they've told us. Where do we think we're going to need to be in order to win the account? Mm-hmm. Trying to do a lot of that, getting those um, comments and those. Um, responses kind of in writing, mm-hmm. because then you don't have the miscommunication of when you send a policy in, uh, what did I approve, you know, they're, they're working with 50 to 80 agents. They're yeah. not going to remember every case that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we work on cases that you don't get. You know, uh, Jack told me years ago, a good commercial agent gets, you know, three out of ten. Uh, If you're doing better than that, you're a hell of a commercial agent, or or just lucky.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But uh, you know, so they're not going to remember every every uh, conversation that you're having. Mm -hmm. So those things have started changing how I've done business and have made it easier for myself and my staff, and I hope my underwriters to kind of get those out. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's
2: kind of where my
0: process is right now. Jack, thoughts?
2: Oh, well. With, with, it depends on if you're using a BOP or a a CPP. Right. Uh, a BOP, you can do most of that work yourself. But I, you always like if it's a decent sized case. If it's two thousand dollars, you know, you know, Matt's not really doesn't care about right. going out and seeing that risk. Mm-hmm. You send him a picture and uh, um, do all the work in advance. Tell him what it is, and he'll approve it. Uh, if the case is larger, uh, uh, you want your you want your underwriter involved from the beginning the more the more he sees and the better he sees it, the quicker he's going to make a good decision and and if it's and if the loss runs are good, the company's going to give you some leeway on on the pricing and that's and it's what you're looking for yeah. um but i the, the the key to to be able to be a good commercial underwriter is to have a good working relationship with your back underwriter your work comp underwriter. And you're guarding a CPP underwriter. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's it's key to everything. It's crucial. You you cannot
1: be successful, not at our company if you do not have a good working relationship with your underwriters. Mm-hmm. They, you have to be on the same page. They have to know exactly uh, what the goal is and, and how the how why you feel a certain way about the risk and and why it's justified. Uh, they're they're held to standards and they have to. Uh, uh, make sure that they're in compliance and you have to give them all the reasons to say yes and to agree with you and, and you're not always gonna agree and sometimes they're right and you just have to accept that, you know? Yeah, we, just because you want a risk doesn't always mean that it's gonna fit on the farm. Yeah. And uh Yeah well you and I have been dealing yeah, with that. Yeah. Uh, you can have, you know, passion and belief and, and be right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but it doesn't mean you're gonna get it and it doesn't mean you've uh, you've got the ability. Um at your company to to handle certain things, and you have to accept those, right. and you have to go find something else, right. or uh,
0: write what you can, and and, and move on. Right. Well, I thought of, um, just thought about something is uh, the treat company mm-hmm. that you wrote is it two years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. Now, um, you had the underwriter involved, and you went and saw
2: the CEO at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Could you share a little bit about that? What we decided to do on uh, on that risk is we decided to work backwards because they'd had some major claims right and so what we did is um, uh, instead of going to underwriting first, we decided it made more sense to go to underwriting last and what we did is we had the uh, the claims the, especially the work comp claims looked at and, and Farm Bureau had made, made the decision uh, that three of the four claims two of them we would have denied and one we would admit uh, we would have not Mitigated, that's not the word I want. Um, we'd have gotten an attorney involved in. The, uh, Defe- you'd have defended. We'd have defended the yeah. claim. Okay. So they felt instead of this much in claims, we'd have had this much in claims. And, a- and then uh, at the time, Don Simon was our uh, vice president of claims, and we brought all of it to him, and he was okay with it. So, uh, and, and the person that I worked with in claims, uh, we decided to go to the CEO. And just work backwards because the claim was so, or the not the claim but the uh, the, the policies the, the the premium was so large mm-hmm. that we wanted to make sure that he could he could see all the information. And at the time, Jim was such a marketing guy. If he could see the information, he could digest it quickly and make a good decision. Uh, and then what we did is we went to underwriting after we did all that work, and then uh, we got the okay to to, uh, to quote it. And he's had one claim since. Right. It's been incredibly profitable to us.
1: Yeah, you can have great accounts that go ten and twelve and fifteen years with you know very little business or very little claims, and then they get into a streak. You can have a couple of pip claims. I mean, you can have some terrible work comp claims, uh, and and all of a sudden a phenomenal account has got two bad years, and you pay out a million dollars. And that is the that is that. That is commercial insurance. Uh, I, I, that is yeah, commercial I, insurance. And if you're not ready to play in that world, you shouldn't be writing commercial insurance because that is what happens.
2: Yeah, I had a million-dollar work comp claim on, yep. a, on a place that had, had never had a work comp claim. And then I had three at-fall accidents on the BAP. And they took part of the credits away from the BAP, even though the loss ratio is still at 57%. They just said, we're going to keep an eye on it. I get it. So if you're going to play in that arena, this is what you have to play in. This you know, uh, every insurance company, not just the farm, is in
1: business to make money. And, uh, uh, you know, yes, we pay claims along the way, but uh, they have to make money. Yep. And uh, those, are, those are things that they pay attention to. Uh, we just got a non-renewal on a, on a client that's had about a 200% loss ratio over the last four years. Yep. There's no fighting going on right now because I, I accept the fact that it has been a very unprofitable account, <laughs> yeah. and it's time for it to move on. Mm-hmm. Um so we 're pursuing other markets to move the entire account to, and just accepting you know there 's not enough premium we can charge for a two
0: hundred percent loss ratio account no nope. There's not yeah. so back to the black hole of underwriting just for a second when When is the right time to because you go normally you go directly to the underwriter when is normally the right time to maybe go to a manager go to the manager 's manager when is
2: there certain scenarios you think up off the top of your head? Oh, sure. Or do you always go to the underwriter first. What? What's your guys' well? It depends on what the situation is. If right. you're having a disagreement with the underwriter and you can't come to a conclusion, mm-hmm. that's what they're for. That's what they're for. And the, and the underwriter's going to give uh, his side of the, uh, of the story, which he believes to be the truth. I'm going to give my side of the story, which I believe to be the truth. And the and that management got and that management person is there to. Come to a conclusion and make a decision. Sometimes it goes in my favor. Sometimes it goes in the underwriter's favor. And guess what? The underwriter and me also could have had, could have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Could have a bad day, which creates could create some of this. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we and we've all been there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but if I, if there's a case that I want that's questionable, I mean, it's something that's out of our bailiwick. You go to I will I will typically go to management first. Really? and work your way down versus start with the underwriter and work my way up. And there, it's not about the underwriter. It's not about the underwriter, not not for a minute. It's about giving the team, the commercial team, the information, uh, and maybe we inspect it first before it ever goes to the underwriter, and give them information to give them a reason to say yes, and then all the underwriter has to do is, is very quickly do its job, and it takes all the stress off of, off of that person as well.
1: Whether they're making the right right choice or not. You know what I mean to to move forward or not sure, yeah,
2: absolutely I mean, you know under there are yeah, I can you we've all been there where we have this stress out of that, and once the stress is taken away from us, we perform better sure if this underwriter it, it, the management's willing to take on the risk, the underwriter all they have to do is underwrite it now and, and then it moves forward and it takes the stress all then they don't have to make the decision and they don't have to worry about whether they're making the right decision or not because the decision in, in, in that particular case has been made for them and so they can just do it and move on which sure. makes it easy for them. To do yeah. the job.
0: And the parameters for specific underwriters are a lot smaller too. Yes. And the yes. Oh, yeah. has way yeah. more mm-hmm. decision
2: making. Mm-hmm. There are some underwriters with lots of experience. Yep. I, I could use some names but we, we can't do that. That, that. I can just go to them and I say, I need your opinion. What, what would you think about this? Mm-hmm. And their 30 years experience, I mean they can think like, you know, they think this way Versus this way, their their ability to think in the macro is much uh, much better than someone's got two years experience, and they can they okay yeah I had this case done about twenty five years ago right. that the, the the younger underwriter just doesn't have. I I think that uh,
1: maybe earlier in my career I was uh, not as good as following the chain of command is what I'm trying to get better at now. Um, Isn't that what
2: your dad said a yeah, time ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So I would I would typically, you know, run right to management if I didn't like or, or agree, or or, agree yeah. or or, you know, felt that I should have been given the benefit of the doubt because, you know, I'm Mike Stein or, you know, whatever it is.
2: What's your name again? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Um but, but but uh yeah. But I am doing a little bit better of job of trying to give uh, underwriters and the level of the chain of command, the benefit of the doubt, and they know that if we don't agree, that I'll be on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And if we don't agree, then I'll be on to the next one. Recently, we um, had to work with um, three different underwriters before it got to the vice president mm-hmm. of, of commercial to get the answer that we needed to have. Yeah. Um, and we kind of followed each one of the along the way, and was told no along the way, and we got there and we got a yes, um, but they all knew that I wasn't going to stop until that person made the decision that we wanted right. and that we believed that deserved to be had. So, um, but we started with you know our field underwriter and continued and said, well, that answer not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know? you move on and then you allow their managers to make decisions And when they don't like it and you still believe in the account, you move on again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that has been more beneficial now because they've all had the chance to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And now that it's coming back down from the top, um, it doesn't matter because I gave them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, But I understand where Jack comes from too and I have approached lots of accounts that way where you just say, boy, this isn't as perfect in our wheelhouse as what uh, we would like. I'm probably gonna get a lot more no's. I think I'm just gonna go to the vice president of commercial or to you know field underwriting uh, manager and start here and work back. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the account, you, 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 you're forced to make some of those decisions. And some of that's the risk that you're gonna accept too. Sometimes it works in your favor, sometimes you know, they're like, Well, why didn't you start with your field underwriter? You know. Um, so but well, I, I well, think Well there's other
2: times where you just yeah. have, you have to make a deal. You do. And yes. I I made a deal a year ago with our vice president uh, of commercial that's saying, All right, if I, I put this thing over with FB partners, this this piece of business with FP partners, they don't have a claim for a year will you put it on a farm real paper. And he said yes. Yeah. So after a year, he, uh, I followed up with him. He agreed, and we uh, we took care of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to do that, sure. so they can get a record in a comfort level over a period of time that uh, you know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. that the client that you're speaking of is 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 really uh, are all the things that you say that they are mm-hmm. that uh, that they're good people. You've had them for 20 years. You've had very little claims experience, even on a personal level, and. And, and give the company a, just a little glimpse of through another company what they're doing, right? And then, then put it on farm real paper. Right. Mike and I are working on one right now where we're going to have to probably do some of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the other aspect is too is that you have to keep in mind that our company is trying to grow commercial big time, big time. Yeah, and they're still trying to figure out the systems and the rates and the processes and educating underwriters and you've had underwriters that have been here for 30 and 40 years retire and you know, you've got a lot of change going on and... Constant change. Constant change Mm -hmm. and all of that, like probably all of our competitors too. I mean, everybody is probably to some degree in that boat. Um, And we also have a field staff that may not be as uh, uh, commercial-oriented as a lot of our competitors Mm -hmm. and all of those focuses and and struggles and challenges uh, have made it, you know, uh, more, I don't know if the right word is more interesting or competitive or
2: difficult or it's presented more challenges to working in the commercial world. Mm -hmm. The hope is, you know, for for me, the last few years of my career is that commercial can get to the point where I'm as comfortable with my field underwriters uh, and my normal underwriters that are in in the uh, home office, as I am with my farm underwriter. Mm-hmm. My farm underwriter uh, will go. I'll call him up and say, "Here's the here's an address. Would you go look at the farm and give me your opinion of the farm, the buildings, and tell me what you think we ought to do." That's a really good relationship. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and you know what? And I follow his lead every time. That's where you. That's where we want to get in commercial as well. You know, uh, Matt. There, uh, at this address, we're looking at this building. I'll meet you down there. What do you think? And he'll say, "All right, go do it. All right, all right. Then I go. Then then I can go to work on it. That's where you want to get to." Well, I think most underwriters
0: uh, want to write the business mm-hmm. too. I, I believe that. I, I think, I that's think, think a you're big, absolutely right. Big part of it, as
1: well. I think uh, sometimes the, the newer underwriters have a hard time of the gray. Uh, insurance agents live in the gray. Of course. You're you're not an insurance agent if you see things black and white. Right. Yeah. It's uh, you live and die in the gray and. One of the things that you have to uh, work with your underwriter on is not everything fits perfect in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, there's gonna be parts of the exposure that you know may not be exactly what you're looking for, but you have to accept it if you want the risk. Or if you aren't capable of closing the risk, bringing in a partner product in order to uh, finish up the account. I think that uh, those things get easier with the more experience. Uh, they're more difficult when they're new, yeah, uh, and they're and they're learning like you. I mean, um, well, that are newer into into that period.
2: Well, they, they, that's not only true for our commercial underwriting department. That goes all the way up to our vice president of commercial and our CEO. Yeah, and I've had conversations with our CEO at, that you have to learn if you want to grow to, of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable with certain risks. That you have to be willing to say, all right, I'm at 120 million at 40 percent loss ratio, where I really like to be. 300 million, can I handle a 50 or 55% loss ratio? And it's it is tough to make that d- decision because you're gonna have ugly claims over time, big claims over time. But if you have an extra $30 million in claims, but you brought in an extra $150 million do- dollars of uh, premium, you still win. And you have to learn to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And as that, that's what I see happening over the next few years with Farm Bureau. If we can do that, we can grow a lot. We can't sit there and cookie cutter everything. We have to be willing to look at something and say, that's not our bailiwick, but let's take a look at it. And that's how we're gonna grow. Yeah, you, you cannot,
1: uh, we cannot double commercial by writing thousand uh, dollar bot policies. No, nope. you, you have to write uh, a large property schedule, you have to have a really competitive package policy, and, and you've got to uh, get into markets that aren't traditional to our operation. Otherwise, you can't grow our commercial book of business to those degrees.
0: Um, any other questions you guys can think of before we wrap up? Um, any other topics? of uh, black hole of underwriting that we've had so much fun talking about. I love my underwriters. That's right. <laughs> I love them, too. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> uh, that's it for Episode 3, The Black Hole of Underwriters.